Oh, praise God. Amen. I'd like to talk with you today from God's holy word on the subject, Four Dynamics of Experiential Holiness. Four Dynamics of Experiential Holiness. Um, we are in chapter 30 of the story, and we will be in chapter 30 um, next week, 29 and 30 this week, and 30 next week, and then we will also uh, have two messages on the end of time to conclude the series. Supernatural redemption, God's story, our story. Praise God. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul figures prominently, doesn't he, doesn't he, in God's story? And that's why we're spending three sermons on him from our team. And Bill Johnson, a quote from him, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake and he's on me for other people's sake. Our church has had a strong emphasis on the Holy Spirit being on us for ministry. We all get to do all that Jesus got to do. We all get to walk in the supernatural and ministering love and life, the life of Jesus, imparting the presence and power of Jesus to people he brings into our lives. That's our strategic place in this world that God has put us in uniquely and strategically. You are in the job, the city, the family, the neighborhood you're supposed to be in for your world releasing Jesus ministry. I could totally start preaching on that. <laughs> but I wanted to emphasize this time that the Holy Spirit is in us for our sake. And one of the most profound teachings from the Apostle Paul is in Romans 8. If you want to turn there or it'll be up on the screen. Romans 8 talks about the four dynamics for experiential holiness. We know that we are changed from glory to glory as we behold the presence of Jesus. We become increasingly into his image. We behold him as a mirror. We look in the mirror, we see Jesus because he is working in us to uh, make us like him so that we flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, word of faith, word of knowledge, uh, miracles, prophetic, all the good gifts, but we also experience profoundly the fruits of the Spirit that Jesus Christ experienced, love and joy and peace and so on. And there is a profound um, vested interest in our increasing, ever-increasing experience of holiness. The Holy Spirit is in us to produce holiness in us. He is a holy spirit. And because he is holy, we are called to be holy. And it's not something that is like um, puritanical, always keep a list of things you're not supposed to do in your back pocket and review it constantly. It's, it's a supernatural, joyful holiness that God is working in us. It's very pleasurable and, and uh, blissful and euphoric in its, um, in its nature. But, but God is working in us by his spirit. The, the uh, Reformation leaders called it sanctification. God is progressively sanctifying us and, and moving us into an ever-increasing experience of holiness. And, and uh, in Romans 8, Paul gives us four dynamics that are catalysts for holiness and triggers for holiness and helps for holiness. And I couldn't be more enthusiastic about this. I'm going to get right to it right now. 
The first dynamic of holiness is the dynamic of positional holiness. We're talking about experiential holiness, but positional holiness is the first key, the first step. We see this in Romans 8, verse 1. And remember, in Greek, there is no um, punctuation. So I believe it's meant to be stopped. If we were to put a period, it's supposed to be stopped after uh, Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We turn to the person next to you and say, you are in a no condemnation zone. You are in a no condemnation zone. Because you're in Christ. Is God ever condemning Christ? You are in Christ. 83 times the Bible says you are in Christ. 83 times. When you were a child, when your mom or dad wanted to emphasize something, they repeated it. How many heard more than once? The important stuff. God is emphasizing to his children the important stuff. 83 times. He says, you are in Christ. Paul even goes so far as to say, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. My cell is Jesus. I'm in a blue box right now for the sake of the TV audience. It's my little prison for a few minutes. But Jesus, 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 my cell, Jesus. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. There's no way out of this. Hooray. You know how some religions, some Christian expressions, refer to Peter as St. Peter, or Paul as St. Paul, or John as St. John? You know in the Bible they're never referred to with that um, preface or prefix? Always apostle or servant. Not that they're not saints. I just think God wanted to. He knew what was coming, so he wanted to establish in his word. These guys aren't the ones that are saints. Do you know that 229 times the word saints, and the Greek word for saints is holy ones? Do you know that 229 times the God who wants to emphasize something by repeating it is saying to you through his book, we take it seriously, oh God, we take it seriously. You've declared to us positionally that we are holy ones, we are saints. And that's why it's perfectly appropriate, appropriate for those of you that are get, have gotten the habit of calling me Saint Dan to continue. Because when I stand before Christ on the last day, Pastor Dan just isn't going to work. I'm totally retreat, retreating to being in Christ. And God never condemns Christ, and I'm in him, hiding in him. And I'm Saint Dan, I'm declared to be holy. I've got the 100% A plus declared over me. But the world always wants to hit us with condemnation. Advertisements everywhere. Try to make you feel guilty unless you buy their product. If you're a parent, you always feel just a little bit guilty. If you are a school teacher, you always feel just a little bit guilty. If you're a pastor, there's always more you can do. There's not enough time to do all you want to do. You always feel, oh, if you pray what you're supposed to pray, you didn't study enough. 
If you visit as much as you want to visit, you don't pray enough. It's just like, wow, what do you do? Well, you step into the blue box, that's what you do. You step into the no condemnation zone. You don't take yourself quite so seriously. You put a big smile on your face. My friends, if you want to experience a deeper levels of personal holiness, and we all do, we start with this amazing platform of positional holiness that we spring from into life with joy. It's a firm foundation to spring into life. We all want to be experientially holy. God has put the motivation in our hearts by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit stirs you to want to be holy. We all want to be holy because we know we need to, we're going to give an account on the last day. There, will those, there are those who will give an account. God calls them the goats on his left for not having a robe of righteousness of Jesus, for not being positionally holy through faith in Christ. The Bible says they will go into weeping and gnashing of teeth into outer darkness. That's a judgment. It's not pleasant. But there also, there's also a judgment for the sheep. But it's not a critical judgment. It's not a purgatory. It's not a, it's not a okay, I'm gonna, I see that there's tears of guilt coming down your face. I'm going to wipe them away. There's tears of redemptive joy on your cheeks. I'm going to wipe, wipe the tears away. And it's like that third grade teacher that when he gives out the awards for the classroom, there's not, he doesn't have an awards, a little awards assembly for his, his or her class that, that's, that's uh, giving out punishments. It's always just reward. It's always encouragement. It's always positive. In your journey in life now, God uses honey and vinegar. As children, we, we do we get off. He gives us some, the discipline of the Lord's present, thankfully. But on that day, on that judgment day, it's only honey. It's only honey. Jesus took all the punishment. We just get the reward. Four dynamics of experiential holiness. The dynamic of positional holiness. Context for appreciating being in a no condemnation zone is really important. Some of the greatest blessings have to do with the context in which that blessing hits you. Larry and I went fishing last week, Larry Dixon, and I pulled out a thermos, a Stanley thermos, one of the items I inherited from my dad passing. And it has huge emotional meaning to me because it's a thermos I remember from years and years and years ago. My dad drove a dump truck for, for Clark County, Washington road crew. And on my way to junior college, I dropped my dad off with his thermos. And it would always get in the way on the seat of the truck. And I'd move it over and He'd, al he'd always say every day, throw that thing out the window. <laughs> but now I have it. But in the context of it being kind of cold, and that fish weren't biting that well, great visit with Larry. I pulled out the thermos, and it was glorious. <laughs> I have a cup of coffee with my friend Larry in the boat. Why? Because of context. 
We think of the lady that came up behind Jesus weeping. With tears, she washed his feet, wiped his feet with her hair, anointed his feet with fragrant oil, kissed his feet. What did Jesus say about her? What was her context? Her context was a prison of condemnation from people, from herself. And she's experiencing forgiveness. She's getting revelation of being positionally in a no condemnation zone. And it causes her to be entirely, entirely undone with gratitude. It's all my friends. It's all context. So no matter who may be throwing condemnation at you, Remember, positionally, you're in a no-condemnation zone. There's lots of opinions in this world, but the one that counts most is God's, and he has said you're in a no-condemnation zone. Hooray for that. If you're not in Christ, you're not in a no-condemnation zone. You're in a no, you are in a condemnation zone if you're not in Christ. At the end of this talk, I'm going to give you a chance to move into the no condemnation zone. So you be ready for that, to receive Christ. Be born again at the end of this talk today. Positional holiness is a springboard for experiential holiness and also the dynamic, the second dynamic for experiential holiness is a very special law. Now in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul does refer to the law as in the Ten Commandments, but he also refers to a different kind of law. It's a law of sin and death, and it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, two different laws. And those laws are more like Newton's first law of motion. Object of motion stays in motion, object at rest stays at rest, unless it's acted upon by an outside force, or the law of gravity. It's a, it's a, not a law as in, obey the 25 mile an hour speed limit or whatever, or the Ten Commandments. It's a law as in, it's like a physical law of the universe, only it's spiritual. Paul refers to that kind of law twice in the passage we're about to read. I'm going to tell you what he's going to, to uh, maybe like a prosecutor before the judge that says, this is what the defense is going to try and do, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to prove to you, to the jury and to the judge, in, in, the, in the moments ahead, I'm going to prove to you this argument. If you don't have the Spirit, you are none of Christ's. You're none of His. If you do have the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is irresistibly, relentlessly working in you to conform you into the character of Christ. And if the law of the spirit of life is working in you, it affects your walk, your life. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. That's not saying there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, and those who are in Christ Jesus and do walk according to the flesh are condemned. That's not what this is saying. This is saying condemnate, that no condemnation zone stands 
secure on its own. But it says, it's basically saying, if you are touching Christ, there are, there are repercussions. There are, there's an automatic response. You cannot grab him as Savior and not grab him as Lord. He's one Christ. He's not half a Christ. And he's not saying, okay, I'll be your Savior, but you have to, you have to obey this list. It's more like when you're in union with Christ Jesus, and as John Calvin said uh, this way, he said, the Holy Spirit is the bond that binds us to Christ. In our, in our organic communion with Jesus Christ, there is a law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is on you to help others, to bless others. He's in you for you. There is a stirring of motivations. There's an irresistible law at work, like the law of gravity that is affecting your, your desires. It's not like you're a puppet because you know, all your choices are still your choices. But is it true that when you've had a breakthrough in God, that you give God credit for the breakthrough? Or do you give yourself credit for the breakthrough? I submit to you, you give God credit because you know in your deepest, deepest knower that God, God's grace and God's personhood is the one that has stirred you to change for him. Hallelujah. If you are in Christ by faith alone, then you are a lot like a duck. It looks like a duck. It swims like a duck. Quacks like a duck. It's a duck. But the same is also true. If you're a duck, you're likely to swim like a duck and walk like a duck and quack like a duck. You're not a duck, but you're a saint. And there is this likelihood because the spirit of law in Christ Jesus is stirring you to, to uh, walk, to swim, to quack. <laughs> My friend, uh, Brian Emmerich, Michelle Wolf's brother, years ago, I prayed with him to receive Christ, and several weeks later, he comes up to me just radiant with joy. He said, I know this whole thing is true. I, I said, what do you mean? I thought you already knew it was true. <laughs> he said, I now know this whole thing is true. And I, I, well, I know it in a fresh way because I couldn't change, and God changed me. There's an automaticness to it Psychologists tell us that we always do what we most want to do in any given moment. All I'm suggesting is that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it's your decision, it's your choice. If you don't make the choice, it's all on you. But God is stirring you to, to want to in the moment. To follow his ways, his statutes, his judgments. This is reinforced by the prophetic word from Ezekiel that we from uh, Ezekiel that we looked at several weeks ago. Please put your minds on this with me. 
Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk. Not like a duck, but in my statutes. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. Great stirring, this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What are the four dynamics for increased holiness, positional holiness, a very special law, and three, the dynamic of disciplined thinking. Reading Romans 8, verse 5 and following. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. The book of Colossians, Paul tells us, admonishes us to bring every thought into captivity. And he declares over us, we are, in my words, <laughs> Mickelson translation, we're in a no vain speculation zone. God is wanting us to have our thoughts and our thinking align with the Holy Spirit. To set our minds on what the Spirit desires. And there's an intuitive dimension to this. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit if He lives in us. We can turn to Him and say, Holy Spirit, I'm setting my mind right now on what you desire. What do you desire? And that could be in the face of a stress and difficulty, the Apostle Paul deals with this later in the chapter, stresses and difficulties. In the face of a stress or a difficulty that we turn to him and go deep into rejoicing. It could be that kind of thing. In the moment, it could be to minister in a particular, particular way that is above and beyond what you would normally or naturally do. But it's not consistent with putting our minds on what the Spirit desires to just, just let go with random thoughts, just letting our minds go into vain speculations and fears, fantasizing, whatever it might be that we know is not, not uh, setting our minds on what the Spirit, our thinking on what the Spirit desires. It's almost like the bumper sticker that said, I do, I do what the voices in my head tell me. <laughs> or even worse, I do what the voices in my wife's head tell me to do. <laughs> my friends, another danger to watch out for is mental complacency. In the neutral zone. It's not just when we face testings or challenges, but just... Mental complacency. 
Today is the parable of the complacent canary. The following conversation took place between a canary in a cage and a lark on a windowsill. The lark asked the canary, what is your purpose? The canary responded, my purpose is to eat seed. The lark asked, what for? So I can be strong. What for? So I can sing. What for? Because when I sing, I get more seed. So, said the lark, you eat so you can be strong, so you can sing, so you can get seed, so you can eat? Yes. Well, there's so much more to your life than that, the lark offered. If you follow me, I'll help you find the more. But you must leave your cage. My friends, in the power and presence of Jesus Christ, he is calling us to not think in the same ruts that we've been thinking in. Not gravitate to the same mental complacency that we could easily gravitate towards. This is what theologian John Stott, I like how he puts it. Christian complacency is a particularly horrid thing. Beware, my brothers and sisters, of apathy. Beware of that middle-aged spread. Positional holiness, a special law, disciplined thinking. Our thinking makes a difference. Our mind matters. It's huge in terms of increased holiness in our life to set our minds on what the Spirit desires. It's a great way to live. It's scary sometimes. It's a great way to live. I remember one time consciously being in front of a taxi minister. I was working on the street, uh, ministering on the street, and there was someone, a taxi cab driver waiting for a, a fare or something. And I said, God, what should I do? And I, I felt like God said, give her a tip for a cab fare that, um, that you're never going to get a ride in the cab for. And tell her it's what, how Jesus feels about her in the gospel. So I said, okay, cool. I can do that. I know I have some fives in my wallet. There was only two 20s in there. I said, Jesus, now let's talk about this moment. Okay, okay, okay. I say, um, ma'am, have you ever got... Uh, a tip for someone who wasn't even taking a ride? And she happened to say yes, but so it kind of blew the thing out of the water. It's like, Jesus, so are you sure we have to do this? <laughs> so I, I said, I just wanted today, I felt led of Jesus to, to tell you, Jesus Christ's gospel is amazing towards you. He's always in a good mood towards you. He wants you to know him forever as his as your best friend, and his, uh, I just want you to know his grace is so good. I want to give you this $20 as a way of expressing to you how Jesus Christ feels about you with no strings attached. So then I noticed another taxi cab driver in the car that I just, that watched me just give her friend a $20 bill and said, Jesus loves you. 
think about it. <laughs> well, it was a great day. It was $40. It was painful, my friends. It was painful. But you know what? I, I went away with a surge of the anointing of the presence of God that I would have paid 40 bucks for any day. A euphoric glory of God rested on me the rest of the day because of that moment of saying to Jesus, saying to myself, saying to the Holy Spirit, how can I set my thoughts on what the Spirit desires right now? Now, my friends, I know we can't do that constantly. We have other things we're working on. Some of you ladies are better at Sorry for stereotype, but I just have found ladies are better at double tasking than guys typically. I just, I just have trouble with that. But I tell you what, I do from time to time through the day, step back, step back into the presence and say, how can I set my mind on what you desire right now? And there is always and evermore from the God who talks an impression of what I can do. Finally, the dynamic of resurrection courage. Romans 8, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I believe there's a twofold application. The first one is with reference to the resurrection from the dead. When the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, and even so it is well with our soul, the dead in Christ will rise first. Those of us that are left and remain will be caught up together with him in the, in the air. You've seen that uh, at the mall, that bungee cord jump thing they've got going on there for kids. You pay a certain amount and you just boom, boom. I said, I got to do that because I got to practice for when Christ comes back. And just keep going and going. Hallelujah. What a glorious day that will be. We sang it this morning. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. That takes courage when everyone in the world is not believing that. They think it's only about this life. But we believe in the resurrection. We sang it. I believe in the resurrection. Though we will rise again, I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. My dad believed in the resurrection. He over and over again talked to me in his last days about the resurrection, of his resurrection. I said, Dad, are you ready? He said, I have, I have so much I regret. I have so much that I'm ashamed of in my life. But I know Jesus has forgiven me. He says, I'm ready. I'm at peace. I feel bad for you guys in losing me, but I feel at peace. And he also kept his sense of humor. I mean, about a week before he passed away, he got a call, a high-pressure salesperson, phone call, trying to sell him high-pressure weight, life insurance. (laughs) He got a big kick out of that. He said, I don't think I'm a good risk. (laughs) Winston Churchill was moved by the gospel when he, when he spent Christmas with FDR in the hearing of a little town of Bethlehem. No ear may hear his coming, yet in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. 
cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. And especially the lyrics, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, Jesus, tonight. Hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, particularly resonated in Churchill's spirit and Churchill's heart. He planned his own funeral, and as was the custom, they, for a military person, they played taps at the end, the evening bugle note, kind of mournful. They even play it um, sometimes at the National Cemetery when we do honors for military people. But Churchill did something different. He, pray, he had him play this song at, the, at his funeral after, after taps. Do we have that YouTube? At his funeral. It's the morning. Morning call. Reveille. Reveille. What's Churchill, <laughs> what's Churchill saying about his own future? It's not the end, it's the beginning, man. It's morning. What's he calling his friends to? It's not the end. It's morning. Stand up. What's he calling you to? He's calling you to know that this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is uh, giving life to your mortal bodies when he raises your bodies from the dead later, but he's giving life, resurrection life to your mortal bodies right now. You have, as per sermon last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, every challenge you face, there's resurrection fire available for you. And even in the times you're not, your faith isn't challenged or your life isn't challenged, there's resurrection power. He is giving life to your mortal body so that you actually feel the emotions of your future in heaven in your personal present moment. It is beautiful and it is lovely. So as we are before the Lord, we are reminded of these four amazing dynamics for ever-increasing holiness is what we all want. Positional holiness, the special law of God working irresistibly in us, He's at work in us, cooperate with Him. Disciplined thinking, what, setting our minds, what, our minds on what the Spirit desires, and resurrection courage Amen. in the face of death and in the face of the challenge of your life right now. If you're here in the audience today or at home, I want to have all of us here pray this prayer. It's a very simple prayer to receive Christ and get the ball rolling in your life. It's getting started with Jesus. Say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus. I confess that you are my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. I call upon you to save me. Right now. Amen. 
And my friends, the Bible three times says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart, God raised them from the dead, they shall be saved. So who's saved? If you prayed that, you are. Tell someone today, a Christian friend you respect, tell them today that you ask Jesus in your heart. You're born from above. You're saved. Tell them today. The Bible says you'll decree a thing. It'll be established to you. They'll help you grow in your best friend relationship with Jesus. I remind you, friends here at New Song today, that we have prophetic ministry right afterwards. Right after that, there's a newcomers. If you're a newcomer to New Song and would like to be part of a newcomer's lunch, join us in the next door. And Miguel and Rosa and Marty, just, just prior to the prophetic ministry, or even perhaps as it's going on to start with, we, we want to have a chance for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire and uh, to, to experience healing and prayer. So just come up into this area. Mary, you help with that too over here. Miguel and Rosa, will you come up here? Anyone that wants that kind of... Oh yeah, Miguel. And then maybe Marty and Mary can minister for a few minutes up here. Brent and I are so honored to serve you. We love you. God loves you. We'll see you next time. Amen. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph